0: Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? I'm hanging in there, Dan, dealing with this goofy Maryland weather. <laughs> well, Florida, it's its uh, down yeah. by me in Martin County. It uh, looks like there's about to be a, uh, a, a massive thunderstorm, and I'm glad that um, my studio people, the people I work with, with the Fox stuff and all the other hits, they have the entire studio on battle backup so my whole studio wow. cameras skype computer focus right everything phone lines is all on a big massive battery because cool. it just went out right before we started recording this and i'm wow. still talking to joe and yeah. looking at his elvis looking uh, mug here on skype so we're good to go i'm a little sore today yesterday was deadlift day um, for those of you who deadlift and lift, it is the most taxing exercise uh, known to man. I don't know what it is about deadlifts. I think the fact that you start from a dead stop. I mean, you're literally lifting a weight up off the ground. Uh, I am sauced, so I am not working out today, which is good. I don't know why I'm telling you that. but um, good. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm taxed out. My nervous system is fried. I read something that powerlifters who do this professionally, deadlifting, don't do a max deadlift up to seven days out because it's so taxing on a yeah, nervous rest, system. The rest is important too, man. Yeah, it is. I, I got a lot to get to today. I got a lot of comments on viewer feedback I got. Some of it's important. I've been very inspired by some of the emails yesterday um, and so, many of them good. A couple of them that were critical, but critical for all the... I think wrong reasons, and I'll tell you why in a minute. And I also want to get to an article on an outstanding piece by David Forgive me if I'm saying your name wrong, Hersanyi at the Federalist, but it's a great piece on liberal hypocrisy. So I want to get to that. All right. Today's show brought to you by buddies at iTarget. I get a lot of comments about this. The website, because I it's always about the website. People forget the website. It is the letter I targetpro.com. I target Pro dot com, itargetpro.com. I was, and I try to respond to all of them. If not, my wife does. But this is the best dry fire system uh, on the market. What's a dry fire if you own a firearm? Dry firing is depressing the trigger on your firearm with an empty, safely unloaded weapon. Check it. Check it twice. Check it three times every time. Look on a safe and empty chamber. Look at it. Look again. Look a third time. Finger probe with your pinky, not your thumb. Make sure it's empty, right? Nice. When you dry fire a safely unloaded weapon and you depress the trigger, you get to practice your trigger control, your muscle memory, your grip, sight alignment. Remember, equal light on both sides of the front sight, level across the top. These are really critically important skills. Anybody can fire a firearm. The only question is, can you fire it accurately? This is the best system to take that dry fire practice, meaning depressing the trigger on a safely unloaded weapon, take it to the next level. How do you do that? Well, the problem with dry firing is you have no idea where the round would have won because it's empty, thankfully. That's why it's a dry fire. They will send you a laser round. It just looks like a bullet. You said whatever it is, a 9 millimeter cartridge, you you, you put it in your uh, whatever weapon you have. You have a 9 millimeter. you have a forty caliber, you drop it in there, and when you depress the trigger, it'll fall on a rubber stopper, and a laser comes out of that uh, that laser cartridge, right? And it goes on to a target they send. You can see where the round would have won. It is the best dry fire system on the market. Police officers, military folks, self-defense advocates, first-time firearm owners who want to learn how to shoot your weapon, this is your product. Go to iTargetPro.com. Dot com. It's the letter I. targetpro.com. Use promo code DAN for a terrific 10% off. Okay. Regarding yesterday's show, um, I was very inspired. Uh, our mm-hmm. audience is so great, Joe. I mean, we talked yesterday about how I, – I know some of you were confused because there, I said the other day that we were winning the culture war, and I believe that. And yesterday's show, I was reading a piece by David Brooks in the New York Times that said we were losing the culture war but winning the political war. Mm-hmm. That was Brooks's opinion, not mine, folks. I really genuinely believe we are starting to turn the corner on academia, on the media elites, on on Hollywood celebrities and and the musician crowd out there that are attacking us endlessly on social media. I really believe the corner's being turned. Now, I didn't say during yesterday's show that we've won the culture war. It is clear for a long right. time, and Joe gave a great example of Stockholm Syndrome, where a lot of us have been beaten so long in the culture war by being called racists, xenophobes, misogynists, uh, uh, Islamophobes, phobophobic, istophobes, as we always say. We're going to put that on a shirt <laughs> one day. Joe's right. Like we, we are the, They were the hostage takers. We're the hostages. And eventually, we almost feel bad for them. We're yeah. like, well, maybe they're right. Maybe we are a bunch of gun nuts and... Maybe we don't like people who look different than us. Meanwhile, you know that's not true. Right. But we we kind of back down because we're, we've heard it for so long. You're almost like, well, um, I don't know. Is it true? You've been gaslit for so long. Gaslighting, where you've been told a lie so confidently over and over. And you've been isolated from the truth. You've been told the lie that if you're a conservative, you're a racist, you get it. Misogynist, you don't like women. You don't like Muslims. You've been told that for so long, even though it's not true. That eventually you're like, wait, is there something to this? I don't, you know, I don't get it. I'm starting to hate everybody. Are you right? Th- that's yeah. what they want you. Right. That's what yeah. they want you to believe. That's what they and and some people I think back down instinctively because they're afraid. I think the tide is turning. And based on the feedback from yesterday's show, which was phenomenal and inspirational, and thank you so much. I have never ever felt more confident that we are turning the tide. And folks. Uh, Again, this is going to be a long, drawn-out culture war. This is not going to change tomorrow, maybe next year, maybe not in a decade. The point I'm trying to make is it is changing bit by bit by day by day, and more people are getting up and dancing. I gave you the example of the guy at the music festival on YouTube. The guy gets up and starts dancing crazy. I mean, he's dancing crazy. And how intelligence agencies use this video to show that it's not the guy that gets up first. It's the guy that follows the guy that gets up. Guy gets up, he's dancing. I mean, he's dancing crazy. Everybody's laughing at him. (laughs) Just like they laugh at us. Conservatives, uh, idiots, racists, you hate women. You hate everybody. LGBTQ, everybody. You hate everybody that's not white and male. We do. Everybody laughs at us, mocks us. But you know what happened at the music festival? Again, second guy gets up and starts dancing with the guy, following his moves. They laugh. All of a sudden, people are like, yeah, it looks fun. Third guy, fourth guy. Eventually, the whole music festival's dancing. Dance. Dance. Get up and dance. And based on yesterday's emails, there's a ton of dancing going on out there. Mm Mm-hmm. Guy emailed me. I got about a hundred emails about this. Let me give you just a couple examples. Really? Yeah, wow. dude. I have never been so inspired. Guy emails me yesterday and says, "I'm an Uber driver. I play your podcast. And believe me, you don't have to play mine. Play Shapiro's, Levin's. I'm. I'm happy you play mine. I'm honored." Yeah. But I'm not saying this to promote my show, even though it is my show. He says, I play your podcast in my Uber thing. He's a driver in Massachusetts. You know who you are sent the email. I'm not going to use your name. He said, I get poor ratings from liberals that get in my Uber car, but only because I'm playing your podcast. Nothing to do with the service. And damn it, I'm doing it again. Dance. Dance, brother. Keep dancing. You dance. You're damn Right. I am with you, man. I had a long conversation last night, dance, about dancing. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but it's a very prominent conservative podcaster. It was his producer. He knows who he is. Talked to him for an hour and a half last night. I'll be. About dancing, brother. And he said to me, what are you doing with that sponsor? I said, they're out. Money returned. We don't want it because we dance here we dance get off your ass and dance that's how we turn this ship around we didn't want the damn sponsor and he doesn't either go find another show sayonara buddy because we dance here I had another guy you know who you are, too. He says, listen, I sit around the lunchroom in my factory. Again, I'm not going to say where. It doesn't matter. He says, and every time these liberals start spouting off about their BS, I fire right back. He goes, you know what? I know I'm never going to get promoted. Right. I know I'm an outcast. I know every... They can't fire me, but they'll never promote me. I'm going to eat it a little bit. Dance, brother! Dance! Good for you! Yeah. You Dance! I am with you, man. I left my job. There was no guarantee. Joe, you knew me when I left. I mean, literally when I left. My first radio appearance was on Joe's radio station, Mm -hmm. WCBM in the morning. Walked away from the Secret Service. Nothing. No retirement Zippo. Gone. Had to cash out my pension. Zero. There was I got zip. Everybody laughed just like they laughed at the dude at the music festival who was dancing. They laughed. Read the articles from, what is it, 2011 when I left the Secret Service, the Baltimore Sun, Mm. the Washington Post. What is this idiot leaving the Secret Service to run as a Republican in Maryland? Because I dance. We almost went broke, man. Mm -hmm. We had nothing. Zippo. There was no writing, written contract. You'll start appearing on Fox News and your conservative podcast will eventually explode and be the second biggest podcast in the country. No, no, there was none of that. Huh. Joe and I didn't even think of the damn podcast I did until oh, three years later. And even then, when we got 100 listens, we thought it was a big deal. Yeah, remember, I remember that? that. I do. We were, both we were like, wow, oh, look, it? we made it. Now <laughs> we post the darn thing and, and, and within a millisecond, it's got 10,000 listens. Because we dance here. I am with you. I am, I've got skin in this game. Matter of fact, I just picked up this. I love Nassim Taleb. He's the, the, the Black Swan author. Mm-hmm. He's got a new book out about skin in the game. I've got skin in this game, folks. I am with you. And to the Uber driver and the factory Dude. And the ninety-eight other people who email me about dancing, you freaking dance! This is our fight, man. Nobody's asking us to take up a musket against the the redcoats. Nobody. We live in the most pampered time in human history. We do. The poorest among us, some of them have flat screen TVs, cell phones, and the biggest problem in this country is obesity, not starvation. But there are warriors out there who understand that even their small fight, you may miss a promotion. You may get a three-star rating for Uber. You know what? That's a real sacrifice, though, too. It's not Valley Forge. It doesn't have to be. You know what? That fight may come someday where you may have to defend your country against a foreign enemy. Mm -hmm. I hope it never does. God forbid the North Koreans get restless. But that fight's not here now. But there are fights here now that you dancers dance on, and God bless you for doing it. That's freaking dancing. That's your call. You know, to the guy who sent me the email about Hank Williams Sr. I talked about yesterday. Yeah. There ain't no light, Minnie. Very depressed at the end of his light, his life. There's not there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There is a light. You need inspiration. Find inspiration in the fight, not the result. You are here for the fight. Listen, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus Christ. I'm not your preacher. You are welcome here if you are Jewish, if you are uh if you practice Islam, if you are an atheist, if you are a rastafarian i don't care you are welcome here anytime you are welcome to email me i will do my best to respond to you you bet but i'm telling you whatever religion you practice i challenge you to challenge me on this the central tenet of your religion's core message is i guarantee you one of sacrifice the hanukkah story The list goes on and on and on throughout the world's great religions. It's always a story of sacrifice, meaning you are here to dance. You're not here to sit there and smoke cigars, sip brandy and be a fat slob. You're here to fight. The fight is your mission. That's what you're here for. You are here to put up with this. Not that there aren't going to be moments of joy. There's nothing like looking at my kid. Nothing. Nothing like looking at my kid. Joe, I know you know this feeling. Oh, boy, do I. You live and die with every moment. When they laugh in that way, only your kid laughs. There's no smile like that on your face ever. That is the sound of God coming out of their mouth. Absolutely. You live and die with these kids. You owe them the fight. You owe them the fight. That's what they're here for. There are moments of joy, but those moments of joy should not overshadow the fact that you are here to fight and you're here to dance. That's your mission. That's the light. The light is not some euphoric fury, you know, a, a feeling of joy, some chemical enhancement. That's not what the light is. The light isn't, oh, my life was full of suffering. Your life full of suffering is the light. That's what you're here for. That's why I left. I had a nice, fat, and comfortable life. Mm -hmm. I did. I had a juicy government salary, a government car, was guaranteed to get promoted, and left at the top of my game in the Secret Service. I had nothing to lose by staying and everything to lose by leaving. But you need skin in the game. You know, I hate stupid inspirational quotes, but sometimes they, they are pretty helpful. And in, 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 in making an analogy to how this battle works, right? You want to be Christopher Columbus, you got to leave the damn shoreline, okay? <laughs> Sooner or later, you got to say, all right, I may fall off the flat earth, but if it ain't flat, man, we're going to change the world. When we keep sailing and nobody falls off, we're going to change everything. The suffering, the sacrifice, that is the fight. You know, I I know I go through a lot of books on the show and eventually I'll get a book list out. But one of the books that really changed my life, really, I read a lot of books. I love books. is, Is Hugh Ross's book, Why the Universe is the Way It Is. He's an astrophysicist. But in the book, he talks about, he, he addresses the intersection of, of religion, spirituality, and science. How the universe is not explainable without suffering, and the universe is not explainable without a higher power. It's not explainable. How m- microns and micro inches and, and, and microseconds, if they were different by any way, the universe wouldn't exist. There is no way that level of precision is available without some benevolent creator. But he also addresses the value of suffering, how everything worth having, everything requires some degree of suffering. You need to dance. What is Bernard Malamud from The Natural? One of my favorite books ever. Great movie, too. Robert Redford. It was a huge lib, but it was a great movie. There's a line in the book where the girlfriend's talking to him. The path to true happiness is through suffering. We all live two lives the one we learn from, and the one we live after that. The one that we all live two lives think about it. The one we learn from, the one we suffer, the one we make mistakes, we fall on our asses, that life. And after you've learned from that life, we live our real life after that. The righteous one. We learn from those mistakes and we move on. The real path to happiness. This is the second line of that quote. I read it in reverse, but it's the second line of that quote. The path to true happiness is through suffering. You're damn right it is. One of the greatest lines ever in a book. That's true happiness. Temporary happiness is nonsense. Anybody can snort a line of cocaine or mainline heroin or fentanyl or whatever this latest opioid crisis is. Anybody can do that. The question is who's willing to dance and fight a real fight and come out on the other side knowing you had a positive impact on the world through your personal suffering? Freaking dance, man. Get out there and dance. That's how we're going to change this. You want to start fighting back? You're a college kid out there who's got some radical kook left-wing socialist professor. You get up and raise your hand. You dance. I'm going to get a C. Too freaking bad. Take it. Embrace it. Take a picture of that paper with a big C on it. Post it on Instagram. Post it on Twitter. Send it to me. I'll retweet it. I got a C because I hate socialism. Good for you. I've got almost 400,000 Twitter followers. Let them all see that C. Because you know what that C doesn't stand for? It doesn't stand for coward, I can tell you that. It's The coward is the professor who gave it to you. Have some balls, dance. You're not going to get promoted because you're a conservative? Then you keep speaking up louder in the lunchroom. Until there's nobody there sitting there but you. Until one guy eventually gets up and sees you dancing and says, I'm eating lunch with that guy. Because I'm going to dance too. And then the whole freaking lunch table's eating with you. But you got to suffer first. I had to suffer first. We almost missed mortgage payments. We couldn't pay for get my kid's teeth fixed. It sucked. Every minute of it sucked. I'll vouch for that. Remember me sitting there with you on eBay trying to figure out how to pay for a freaking microphone for this podcast? No. The same yes. microphone right here. This RE20 you're looking at right now, Joseph. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't afford the damn microphone. We had to put it on a credit card. Yep. It's the same mic I am now hammering into right now you gotta eat it for a little while that's how we turn this around you you know a company you know this folks you know you instinctively know you're gonna have to dance soon there are companies that went after sean hannity and other companies out there companies that went after me and companies folks it sucked i had to cancel accounts you know what it took me four hours one day To change my car insurance. It sucked. But it ain't freaking Valley Forge, man. That was my fight for that day. And that was the fight I had to do. There are movies I damn well want to see. I'm just a guy. I like to take a break from politics. But I can't. Because I dance. Every day I got to dance. And it's driving me crazy. I don't sleep anymore. I barely ate last night. Because this life is a dance. I'm not whining. I am here for you. Because I know you are all going to have to suffer. I don't get to see movies anymore. I got to wait for them to come out for free. Because I will not give my money to people not willing to dance in Hollywood. Who kneecap us willing to dance. I have to change airline tickets. Because of stupid moves made by airlines every day. Because we dance. You're in a school. You got your kid in a grammar school. And the teacher says some dumb stuff about the president of the United States, entirely inaccurate nonsense. You know what I tell my kid? You dance. But dad, I make it a worse grade and I may not get into that school. You freaking dance. Because the dance matters. You dance. All of us have an opportunity every day to do one small thing. It is the only way we're going to fight back. You are the majority. You. You can win this. We're in a classic prisoner's dilemma right now. Prisoner's dilemma For those of you who don't know what that is, prisoner's dilemma is, in economics, to make it simple, prisons don't make any sense. Think about it. You have 10,000 prisoners and, say, 100 guards. Why don't the prisoners, and thank God they don't do this, but it's an economic uh, uh, paradox. The prisoners could all get together and say, let's just take over the prison. They overwhelm them on manpower. The prisoner's dilemma, though, speaks to a coordination problem thankfully what's the coordination problem the word gets around the prison hey we're all gonna riot today take over the prison one guy doesn't trust the other guy to do it he doesn't want to riot himself and get his butt kicked it's a coordination problem we have a prisoner's dilemma amongst conservatives the prisoner's dilemma is we're afraid to dance and we're afraid to speak out, even though we know the guy next to us is probably quietly with us. But I don't want to be the first one to speak up in the lunchroom against the liberals, because if I speak up and nobody defends me, I'm going to be the one that's isolated. No one's going to stand with me. Folks, someone has to get up at the music festival and dance first. Be the one with the biggest heart. Be the one with the biggest will, with, the, with, the, with an unbreakable steel will. And just get up and dance, Whew. man. I was—I ver- didn't really even mean to go into all that today. I mean, I seriously had, as you can see, Joe, like fifteen uh, topics, notebook. and I just had a a little note here just address the emails. I didn't uh, expect to go down that road. Well, too late now. Yeah, uh, too late. No, no going <laughs> back. Um, but I I was deeply, sincerely impacted. I mean, I almost broke down a couple times yesterday reading these emails because that's all I'm here for, man. I'm I'm this show is for you. It's all for you, and it's all for the fight. Um. So thanks. All right. Um. On a little bit of a lighter note, I did get some emails yesterday. Um. Some critical because I always address the positive and the negative. Thank you for the good ones, but for the umpteenth time, I love the feedback, but. The book Unholy Alliance. I can't believe I keep having to address this. I appreciate your emails on it. There are two books called The Unholy Alliance. There could be 10 books. I don't know. Titles are very common. My second book, The Fight, yeah. is probably the name of about 50 different books out there. I. That's why I give you the author. Unholy Alliance by David Horowitz. I keep getting emails. This, I don't know why people do this. No, that book was written by Jay Sekulo. No, it was written by David Horowitz. There is another (laughs) book written by Jay Sekulow, which is a great book, too, by the way, called Unholy Alliance. But that's why I give the author. So thank you for the feedback. But there's no correction necessary. It is Unholy Alliance by David Horowitz. I promise you, if you Google that, it will not go to the book by Jay Sekulow. And I, I, I'm getting a lot of feedback on the uh, free trade show. Um, listen, folks, I get it on tariffs. I get it. I understand your emails. I concede the point to you wholeheartedly. China is not our friend and has engaged in grotesquely unfair trade practices. I entirely agree with you. 100% I stipulate that point. I also stipulate the point because it's correct, by the way. That China's entrance onto the world stage and into the world trade organization has been unprecedented in human history. I actually covered this on a show months ago. Yeah. How I listen to a pod. It's very rare that I change my mind unless there's conclusive evidence. I mean, I'm just, I have an open mind on things. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to sound like a hardhead. I just, I've done a lot of homework on tariffs and economics. I love it. And I haven't seen conclusive evidence otherwise. But I did listen to a podcast a while ago on Russ Roberts' econ talk which is an excellent show. I highly recommend. Uh, I think it comes out on Monday mornings. It's a once a week show, but he had a show a while back and it was about trade and forgive me. I can't remember the, uh, the person he had on. It's a different format than this show. Mm -hmm. And the guy made the point that yes, free trade works, but China Joe has been an unprecedented entrant onto the world stage. Never in human history. The point he was making was, have we seen (laughs) <laughs> you know, hundreds of millions of new people and employ and employees and 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 workers in the communist sense jump onto the world market, start producing cheap stuff at one time. We've never seen it. Kaboom. Yeah. And he said that this has caused an unprecedented dislocation of American manufacturing assets and basically the bankrupting of small towns. Of many of them. I don't disagree with you. But the emails I'm getting saying, Dan, that's why I think Trump's proposed tariffs are a good idea. I'm just asking you to, and I I say this with the utmost respect, because some of the emails were downright like hostile. (laughs) I am absolutely open to any argument that tariffs will work if you can show me something. It seems like a lot of the responses I've been getting are people who are responding emotionally, and I get it. If you lost your job to this, this really sucks. I don't blame you one bit for being pissed. Not one bit. You're darn right. Hollowing out America's manufacturing capabilities because of a world entrant practicing unfair trade practices is not my recommendation for the future. I'm simply suggesting to you this, that the evidence isn't given two bad scenarios, right? One tariffs and one crappy Chinese uh, trade practices. Matter of fact, devastating in many cases that, Tariffs are not going to be the solution because it's just a tax on us. There's no other explanation. for. It. And if I if send me actual article, I'm happy to read them. I, I'll make you I'll make you an offer. And I promise you, you have my word. Send me something from a reputable source. I don't mean like the New York Slimes or the Washington Post, um, you know, Cato. Heritage, anyone who think tanks, you can send it from a Brookings, even a left-leaning think tank. I promise you I will read it and will readdress the counterpoint. If you could show me some data that the imposition of a tariff is not going to hurt our entire economy, I, will, I promise you I will read it. I am not looking to it. Joe, do you think it's a recipe for success to piss off your audience? Uh, no, no. No, it isn't. I'm not here to do that. No, it's tried and true. No, it's a tried and true. I'm not here <laughs> to upset you, but I am here for the truth, however uncomfortable. And I'm open to anything. So please respond back with them. And and I will say this on yeah, go ahead. Jerry. Yeah, I was gonna say, Dan, that show was about seven months ago. It I was, remember. right? Yeah, yeah, it was about seven yeah, he's right. It is about seven months ago. I think for the title listen. would give it away if you want to go through the library. And yeah. um I'll, I'll try to look it up again, but uh, maybe I can link to the Econ Talk podcast. But yeah. the guy does make a compelling case that China is an unprecedented trade threat. And I, I there are points he makes that I told you at the time changed my mind on trade a bit. Yeah. And I even got emails from free traders going, what's wrong with you? I thought you were free. I am. I'm just saying there are points and counterpoints. And we ha- we can't be naive to the fact that China has presented us with some very unique difficulties. They gave you hell, I remember. Oh my gosh, I get hell from both sides. But Uh folks, you know, listen, I can't just give you this, you know, impassioned appeal about dancing, and then, you know, I'm not willing to dance because I'm afraid to lose a few listeners either. I'm open to any ideas you send me. I'm simply saying to you, I've not seen any compelling evidence. This show is about evidence. We've always been about evidence. Show me some, and I'll happily read it on the air and address it. Happily, gladly. Eager to. Okay. Um, oh, well, let me just one final point on this. I, I disagree with the terrorists, but I will say this. If Trump is doing it strictly as a negotiating ploy, and by the way, I have a terrific piece from Cato, by the way. Cato, they're very, very free trade. But I have a really great piece by Cato in the show notes today, at my website, Bongino.com, about how Trump has used this before, Joe as a negotiating tactic. The in other words, the threat of doing something and he doesn't oh, yeah. do it and he gets okay. what he wants in the end. I will yeah. say this to you because I, folks, I'm pro, I am absolutely pro Trump. I think he's doing a terrific job. I don't don't mistake this for if he's doing it as a negotiating ploy, this this threat to impose tariffs, it's genius. My simple point is if we do it, there are going to be economic repercussions we may not plan for. But if he's doing it to renegotiate better deals on our behalf, in other words, the wiping out of tariffs in other countries, hey, big round of applause. And he may be. The guy is a master negotiator, as we've seen. He may very well be doing that. But I'll put an interesting piece up on Cato. Cato who you would think would rip the president, but yeah. it's, it's really good. He, they say, listen, he may be doing this, Joe, just to get a better deal. And they show some evidence of him. Do, it's a short article, but it's really good. Some evidence of him doing it on Keystone and other things as well, where he said, we're going to do this. And then he backtracked, but got a better deal in the long run. So read the Cato piece. Um, it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Okay, but again, uh, let me leave it with this. Thank you. I do mean it. Thank you for the emails. I read all the critical ones. I try to respond to the critical ones. Um, I can't get to all of them, but I'm with you. I support the president. I just, I'm here to tell you the truth. If you can show me another truth that would lead to a different outcome, I am game absolutely to entertain it. Okay. But so thanks for doing that. I appreciate it. All right. Today's show also brought to you by buddies at Filter by. A lot of people out there screaming and yelling on social media about the environment, which is ironic. Because they scream about industry polluting the air and destroying the planet, but they haven't changed their darn air filters in ten years or so. Change those air filters, you're breathing polluted air. When I moved in my house, the air filters were black. Black They weren't meant to be black. They were not charcoal air filters. They were supposed to be white. Yeah, I'm surprised there was even oxygen in my house that we weren't like. I can't. Supp- I'm serious. I'm surprised we weren't like suffocating the air filters. I'm surprised they weren't moving. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Like, it's alive! It's alive! When I took them out, my wife was like, what is that? I'm like, that's an air filter. She goes, it is? It looked like one of those dark canvases you paint on, you know? It was so horrendous. So we changed the air filters, but unfortunately, the damage had been done to our HVAC system. Folks, these are true stories. I don't make up stories for reads, okay? This really happened. Blew out both of my HVAC systems. We had to replace them both with uh, two lennox models which are pretty good um and it saved us a lot of money but we did blow them out cost us by the time we were done it was probably close to twenty thousand dollars we had to change ductwork. it was a real nightmare Ow. yeah it was bad go visit my friends at filter Buy, at filterby.com you won't have this problem then. they're america's leading provider of hvac filters for homes and small businesses you got a small business with 100 filters these are your guys house with two or three these are your guys too They carry over 600 different filter sizes, including custom options, all ship free within 24 hours. Plus, they're manufactured right here in America. All right. FilterBuy offers a multitude of MERV options all the way up to hospital grade, so you'll be removing dangerous pollen, mold, dust, and other allergy-aggravating pollution. While this is important, maximizing the efficiency of your system. Save some energy, folks. Right now, you can save 5% when you set up auto delivery, so you'll never need to think about air filters again. That's the way I do it. Save money, save time, breathe better with FilterBuy.com. That's FilterBuy.com, FilterBuy.com. Okay. You know, I love pointing out uh, liberal hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Sorry, so let me get this next baby up and running here. So we got another, we're welcoming back another new I love, by the way, we'll get to them in a minute, but they're great. Uh, I love pointing out liberal hypocrisy. It's every morning when I prepare the show, I uh, I intentionally search for stories that that kind of paint this picture that I've been painting for you for a long time. And the picture is this, so you understand, regular listeners probably get this by now. I see Joe. Joe's going for the pen. I just uh, like did a sniffle, and I always see Joe going for the pen. So you didn't hear that sniffle because Joe's cutting it out because he's writing the time marker down. But the sniffle was in there, and so is the commentary about the sniffle and Joe grabbing the pen to mark where the sniffle happened. So I like pointing out liberal hypocrisy because I like to show you that liberalism is not based on a core set of principles like conservatism is. It's not meant to insult them. It's just a fact. Liberals will change their position on any air quotes here principle because liberals care about control. And when I say control, I mean it exactly as it's stated. Liberalism is a byproduct of socialism, of, of you know the Frankfurt School of critical theory. It is a byproduct of a s- state centric system which diminishes the, indi- diminishes the individual. In order to get a state-centric system where the individual is diminished, you can't allow the individual to control anything. You can't control your money. I mean, literally. you can Turn it over to yes. us. That's why they like high taxes. Yep. You can't control your health care. That's why they love single-payer or government-run health care. You can't control where your kids go to school. That's why they hate school choice. Liberalism is about control. But in order to get the control over those assets, your kids, your money, and your healthcare liberals can't have a defining set of principles. They can't. They will change their mind on anything and switch their tactics in a heartbeat. Perfect example, Joe, mm-hmm. was the tax cut bill by Trump and the House and Senate Republicans that passed. Mm-hmm. I, if you listen to my shows... And you've already heard this argument, but I'll, I'll pitch it again quick because it's indicative of, again, how liberals don't liberals care about control, not principles. That's what I'm trying to get out here. So we're crystal clear. OK, liberal so-called principles or what they tell you, their air quotes principles are, we believe in higher taxes, right? Right. Well, why then? When Trump and the GOP were trying to pass the tax cut bill were liberals out there talking about how, oh, these th- you're only going to get crumbs back. Remember Nancy Pelosi, crumbs? Oh, I mean, yeah. you've heard that, you know, $1,000 crumbs. Wait, wait, Nance, Nance. The New York Times and a lot of uh, liberal media outlets are still doing reports about how, matter of fact, fascinating op-ed in the Wall Street Journal today by James Freeman. I can't include it in the show notes because it's a subscriber only, but he writes about how these liberal media, this is hysterical, Joe, how Nance. these liberal media outlets are still doing these reports on TurboTax, how huh. these fictitious American families are going to have to pay more in taxes under the Trump tax cut plan, but how tax accountants are calling him out going, well, you missed this, this, and this. So the New York <laughs> Times had to issue a correction. The Times had to issue a correction saying, this fictitious family that was going to pay more in taxes under the tax bill Instead of owing three thousand, it's actually gonna get forty three dollars back. Whoa, wait, uh, what? <laughs> that may be the biggest correction in human history. So fictitious liberal family A that's gonna get screwed by the tax bill and owe four thousand dollars more in taxes or whatever, three thousand, is now gonna get forty three dollars back. That is the what kind that may be the most mammoth correction I've ever seen. Your whole premise goes out the window. My point in telling you the story and, and, and showing how liberals don't, it's not about principles to them, it's about control, is their principles have always been higher taxes. Income inequality, remember Barack Obama? The rich don't pay enough. In other words, give us your money. But then they argue that we're not getting enough money back through the tax cuts. Why would they do that? I thought their principles were give the government more money. That's the whole premise of liberalism. Give us your dough. Hmm. <laughs> Because that's not their principle. Their principle is control. To get control of your money, they need power. To get power, they need to convince you that the party in power now, Donald Trump, the GOP, and the Republicans are bad guys. So they get in a room and they go, wait. We're supposed to be advocating for higher taxes. But people hate higher taxes. So let's go out and lobby against the tax bill saying that people aren't getting a big enough tax cut. Wait, I thought we were for higher taxes. No, no, not now. We want to make Trump and the Republicans look bad so we can beat them in November. (laughs) Uh, Wait, what? What the hell are you talking about? These people never dance, ever. (laughs) Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, think about, uh, you, you doubt me you go oh well dan all right so they were talking about how the tax cut wasn't big enough despite the fact that liberalism supposedly about higher taxes give me another example what about obama if you like your plan you can keep your plan we're gonna cut your family's health care costs by twenty five hundred dollars what does he know Obama, who is a huge advocate for government-run health care, that's the liberal credo. That's the house they built their health care, uh, the base they built their health care house on. Government-run health care. We love single-payer, despite all the rationing and horrible service that goes on. Obama knows that. So Obama's principles, just like they should have been higher taxes, and they're not because they know higher taxes won't sell and they need power, so they lie about it. It was the same thing on Obamacare. Instead of Obama telling the truth, you won't be able to keep your plan, the government's going to take over medicine, and it's going to cost you a whole lot more money, what does he do? They go out there and they lie. If you like your plan, you can keep your plan. We're going to cut your family's health care costs by 2500 bucks. None of that happened. It was a lie from the start. It was a lie because liberals don't have principles. Liberals are, by I'm not talking about Democrats, and I'm not talking about like casual political observers. I'm talking about the hardcore liberals out there. They are entirely hypocritical. They don't stand for anything. Contrast that with conservatives. You may not like us. You may not agree with us. I'm certainly not Mm -hmm. saying we're all saints. Listen, everyone's a sinner. I get it. Mm -hmm. But our principles are pretty strong. Give the people back their money. Matter of fact, advocating for higher taxes is a disaster in the Republican Party. You're seeing it now with the tariff yeah. battle. Advocating for government-run health care. Good luck in a Republican primary there. You'll never get... We don't have to lie. Government health care it stinks. It doesn't work. That's pretty, a pretty widely accepted premise amongst conservatives. I'm not talking about sellout swamp-rat Republicans. School choice. Pretty much universally accepted amongst conservatives to be the better path forward. There's no lying about it. Mm-mm. We are what we are. Because our principles matter. And because we want the individual to matter. And when we want the individual to matter, we don't need power all the time. We just need to advocate for principles. Even if the party in power isn't one we'd align with. If we can get Democrats to support tax cuts, great. School choice, great. Individual Individually run health care, great. We need the right ideas to win. The Democrats need the right people to win. I bring this up, I sorry, that was kind of a long-winded setup, but it's important. Because there's another terrific piece again by uh, by Hersanya David and the Federalist which will be in the show notes. Please read it. About he he doesn't address all the points I'm going to address, but read the piece anyway. It's really good. He talks about how this guy um this liberal writer wrote this piece bashing conservatives on the, you know, quote gun control issue, Joe. Mm-hmm. And the premise of the liberal writer Joe is that you know, you guys come after us on the jargon and it's total BS. You know, we can speak up about the gun control issue, even though we don't know what the hell we're talking about. That's the basic premise. Yeah. And I, I, I do this as well. The, the liberal writer's point is that just because we call a magazine a clip, it's not a clip. It's not a clip; it's a magazine. Just because we mistake a semi-auto with a full-auto, we should not be, uh, you know, exempted or prohibited from speaking up on the issue. One, nobody's prohibiting anything. We're all civil rights advocates, and we—I strongly encourage you to speak out for or against. I believe in free speech, unlike liberals. No one's trying to suppress your thought. But Hirsanyi makes a terrific point, and I'm going to elaborate on it. And his point is, (laughs) Joe, knowing the difference between a semi-automatic and an automatic, is the very essence of legislating against it. Yeah, it's kind of important. It's kind of important. Yeah. If you don't know the difference between one trigger pull, one round, and one trigger pull, multiple rounds, potentially until the magazine, not the clip, is (laughs) empty, then how the hell are you going to legislate against automatic firearms? You don't even know the difference. He makes another great point. If you're going to talk about things like barrel shrouds and you have no idea what a barrel shroud is, but a barrel shroud is what you think makes a, quote, assault weapon, an assault weapon rather than a standard commonly used firearm, which the AR-15 platform is, then yes, you should shut your mouth because you don't know what you're talking about. I don't mean legislatively you should shut up. You should speak out all you want on social media. I'm just telling you, you don't know what you're talking about. It's like me advocating for lower taxes, not knowing what marginal tax rates are. I think we should have lower marginal tax rates. Joe asked Dan, what are lower marginal tax rates? Yes. Hell if I know, but we should have lower. You got to know what it is. You're, you're looking to take away our God-given right to defend ourselves against commonly used weapons, which the AR platform is. By estimates I've seen, there are millions of these in circulation. Millions, not thousands. You want to take it away, but you don't know what a magazine versus a clip is. You don't know semi-automatic versus automatic. Meanwhile, they're subjected to two completely, entirely different rules to purchase. Well, Dan, what I do know is AR <laughs> means assault rifle. You I do know that. Joseph, there you go. Thank you for emulating the liberal conversation talking you point. You know it's true. It's true. AR stands for assault rifle. Unfortunately... As her son, yeah. By the way, good point, Joe. I forgot that one. Which he addresses in? It does not. It stands for Armalite rifle. You should know that. It doesn't. Mistaking that is a big deal. AR fifteen. It stands for the assault rifle. Fifteen. The liberal, as he's Joe, as he's tipping down his glasses and looking at you in a condescending fashion with his bow tie on. And he's dipping into his steak tartare, into some kind of sauce. AR obviously stands for assault rifle. No, you dope. It doesn't. It stands for Armalite rifle. Well, you know it does. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and we're idiots. By the way, someone emailed me yesterday. Uh-huh. You made a joke, and I think they took you seriously. You said mm-hmm. you're giving me a corollary. Yeah. And I think the guy really... Th- I know, Joe I promise you folks, Joe knows it was a joke. He knows it's not called a corollary. It was a joke. Thank you for the email. (laughs) I promise you, Joe does not offer up commentary if he doesn't know what he's saying. And if he does, we delete it. (laughs) I've had to do that a few times for me, by the way. When I said something, I was like, dude, you got to delete that. I said that wrong. It's a coronary. He gets it. It's a joke. All right. But uh, yes, of course, Joe's saying assault rifle because he knows it stands for Armalite rifle. Armalite was the company. And by the way, Stoner, who invented the the gas powered system involved with the AR-15 platform, sold these rifles to civilians first. It was the military who picked it up later, not the other way around forgot about that yeah so please stop lying now i want to bring this up for different reasons the piece um you know what before i get to that let me just say because this is important let the take so the takeaway from the first the first part of my coverage please read the piece by the way bongino.com subscribe to my email list as always i will um email to you please subscribe folks i know it's a pain in the butt but it really helps us keep the show running efficiently we've we're under a lot of pressure. I, I don't. I don't want to bore you with the details, but if you have the time, please subscribe to the email list. I'll send you the article in the Federalist. It's a great one. Read it. Uh, but the takeaway from that, before, before I move on to what I, how I want to ex- expand on it, is the liberal point here that the that the, the the author is calling out. By the way, Joe, is that oh jargon doesn't matter. We're liberals, and we should be able to talk about issues even if we know very little about the issue at all. So. Hold that point in your head. Because again, you know how I love to tie things in during the show. Mm -hmm. I'm here to make the point to you that to liberals, principles doesn't matter. Because the liberal writer of the piece that the Federalist writer calls out is making the point, jargon doesn't matter. If you're a liberal, you should be able to talk and legislate openly, even if you don't know what the hell you're talking about. But. I'm now going to shred that and show you how jargon absolutely matters to liberals in every case where it doesn't back up their talking point. All right, give me a second on that. All right, welcome back to another great sponsor. I love these guys uh, Freedom Project Academy. They're terrific. Love them, love them, love them. They were with us a while ago. They're making a comeback. Hey, America's schools are nothing like we remember growing up. Joe, you know that. Sheesh. We grew up in, right? I mean, schools have changed a lot. I mean, we. We you know, man, I used to get uh, smacked on the wrist with um, a ruler by Sister Ellen in third grade. Not that I'm saying that's great, I'm just saying schools are a lot different. We grew up in safety and learning was more uh, was more than safe spaces and propaganda. And even though technology continues to offer new opportunities for learning, I think we can all agree that traditional moral values once woven into the fabric of the classroom have disappeared. Yeah, they have, folks. It's sad. Um, That's why you need to consider our friends at Freedom Project Academy and their fully accredited Judeo-Christian classical online school for kindergarten through high school. We're talking about an incredible interactive education where students attend live classes, folks, every day with teachers and fellow classmates from across the country. These guys are great. I had a lot of great feedback about them. Freedom Project Academy doesn't accept a penny of government funding, which allows them to stay committed to teaching students how to think, not what to think. Families can enroll students full-time or start with a single class. It's entirely up to you. It gives you a great option there. Here's the website. Please check them out. Go to freedomforschool.com and request your free information packet from Freedom Project Academy. Enrollment ends in July, but classes fill up fast. That's freedomforschool.com. FreedomForSchool.com. And I know people like to give the show credit. We appreciate that. When you call or you go to the website and you talk to them and you request your free packet, don't forget to tell them the Dan Bongino show sent you. FreedomForSchool.com. Okay. So, where we left off liberals jargon doesn't matter on guns the fact that we don't know squat about guns and we think uh, semi-automatic is automatic we think clips about uh, and we think barrel shrouds make it in a quote assault weapon and as joe said we think ar stands for assault rifle. that doesn't matter at all oh but jargon does matter jargon does matter everywhere else for liberals joe if. Have- You've seen this ongoing pattern amongst liberals who advocate for cultural Marxism and open cultural warfare against us, against people who are afraid to dance. And one of the things they say is, oh, not only does jargon matter, but jargon is everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now. If you've been following the news, you've seen that a number of college campuses right now, they have a very specific set of jargon. And if you deviate from that jargon on pronouns, oh boy. You are a transphobic, istophobic, homophobic, hobophobe. Phobophobic, istophobic, phobophobe. And you are to be expelled from the conversation immediately if you don't use the right jargon. Hmm. I saw a thing on Fox the other day. There's a college campus. It was on Fox and Friends Weekend. Sorry, I, 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 this is why I love tying stories together. That's why this Federalist piece is so good. And they said on the on the college campus that the this is now the prescriptive set of pronouns. It was like Z Xena, Warrior Princess or something. I don't even know what the pro- honestly, folks. I'm not messing around. With you. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I have no. I think it was Z or Zoe or. I have no yeah. idea what they were, but one of them I think was Xy, and if you don't, you, or or no, knee. I think knee was an. I, I swear I, I should have picked yeah, it up. A list of- it was like Z, knee. Uh, I, I don't I don't I don't even know what that is. But if you don't use those pronouns, you clearly hate the people you're talking to. Let me just shut that right down, right? Folks, I'm not your preacher. Okay, I can't say this enough. Uh, You're all welcome here. I don't have hate in my heart for... Well, maybe one guy, but I don't have... You know who that is, Jack. I shouldn't say that. I don't have hate in my heart for anyone, with the exception of one guy. I don't. Everybody has their issues, and everybody has their strengths, okay? I am... You saying to me that, oh, you didn't call a person by knee, Z, Lee, whatever the name. I don't even know what they are. Maybe next time I'll print them. And that because the jargon isn't used, not only am I prohibited from discussing anything with them, Joe, but I'm immediately labeled a hater and transphobic or 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 whatever it may be, phobophobic, istophobe. Doesn't that refute your argument? I thought five minutes ago you were saying on your liberal premise was, hey, jargon doesn't matter on guns. But it clearly matters on social issues when it comes to um, orientation and, and, and gender identity. Then it matters. Not only, Joe, does it matter, but you're to be shut down and labeled nearly demonic the minute you open your mouth. Folks, I had a note here. I don't know what I was trying to say. On oh, Universal oh. this is the hypocrisy. I, I, I'm going to get to this. Is the hypocrisy on the left? The cough medicine thing, by the way, was there's another point in the in the Federalist piece. Sorry to jump out of, but he makes the point where uh, Steve Schmidt, this re- so-called Republican, made the point on CNN too that. How, again, the jargon and the talk, it doesn't matter when anti-gunners say it, that, hey, it's harder to get a thing, a cough medicine, than it is to get a firearm. Really? You have to fill out a 4473 to get cough medicine? What are you, a dope? Like, it makes you sound like an idiot. So, again, the point of this whole thing, Joe, is that I'm going to point out that, because I'm going to take this somewhere else. Mm Mm-hmm. Liberals will tell you jargon doesn't matter when it comes to an issue they want to fight against because they don't want to do the homework. They're lazy. They want to say, guns bad. You're going to do any homework on it? On any data? On on how firearms actually work? No, not it. But when it comes to other issues in society that where they think they can leverage identity politics to make you look like an ass, then jargon is not only matters, it is everything. Oh, you, now, one, one, one final story on that before I move on, because I want to tie this up for you. Mm-hmm. I bring this up a lot. I was on the air one time at a radio station, and some guy called in. I think it was a caller, and he brought up how he was stigmatized at work because he had called. And for, forgive me, I'm forgetting the order, and I'm not doing this on purpose. He had called a gay man gay and not homosexual or a homosexual man homosexual not gay. I forget what it was. The point is, the guy sounded like a genuine guy. He's like, I can't believe it. Like, I have no hate in my heart for anybody. Matter of fact, I like this guy. But I was miffed because I was automatically deemed somewhat a hater or a homophobe because apparently it's you're not supposed to call people who are gay homosexual or homosexual. He didn't know. I don't even remember what the right order was. Mm-hmm. Folks, that's the, you, that's the weaponizing of jargon. That's the very weaponizing of jargon. But here, you may say, and fairly enough... You may say right now, well, Dan, aren't we weaponizing jargon when it comes to firearms? No, we're not. Jargon is a use of specific words in a a very specific field, which is used amongst people in that field, which sometimes can isolate people outside of the bubble of that field. When you're talking about firearms, of which there are hundreds of millions in the world, And you're talking about actual, clear, critical, categorical distinctions. It's not jargon. It's like saying, oh, that's just jargon calling a car a truck because you're not a truck driver. No, a car isn't a truck. A truck has very distinct categories. Calling someone Z or knee is jargon. Because people outside feel like, wait, 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 what do you mean? What are you talking? They don't understand it. There is a very clear, there is not a clear distinction between Z and me and Xena. There isn't. It is a subjective difference. There is not a clear difference to many people out there in the world, Joe, between gay and homosexual. They don't mean to impugn the integrity of anyone or character. They don't know. It's a subjective difference. One day someone said, if you call someone gay, that's offensive. That's it. It is not a subjective difference, Joe. Does this make sense? Mm-hmm. To say semi-automatic firearms are not fully automatic. Right. It is not a semantic difference to say, oh, AR stands for assault rifle. It doesn't. It's just factually wrong. That is an objective difference. It's not the same. It stands for Armalite rifle. Now, I wanted to bring this up for one final topic, and, and we'll bounce here. Because it's interesting also how when it comes to gun laws, some of the younger kids have been co-opted into this gun control agenda. But there's some of the same kids, by the way, who support drug legalization. And I find that interesting. Why do I find it interesting? Hmm. Because the arguments they'll use for the legalization of drugs are, well, drugs aren't all bad. There are some good components to drugs. Marijuana can be beneficial in some ways. I'm talking about the arguments League people who offer for legalizing drugs, which are largely, by the way, young millennial America say. Now, when we make laws, we're supposed to make laws based on behaviors, Joe, we would consider universally, or at least there's mass consensus that they're nonproductive for society, right? Mm-hmm. We yeah, have laws yeah. against rape, robbery, homicide, and burglary, because there are very few people who think these are good things or add any benefit to society at all. Right. On drugs, fairly enough, I'm not a huge restrictionist on drugs either. I'm I'm with a lot of the millennials on a certain portion of this debate, by the way. They'll say, well, Joe, listen, because I decide to use drugs or marijuana doesn't necessarily impact others in some way. I'm saying I'm giving their arguments. So what right. they're saying is there are some not so bad components of this. But you know what's fascinating about the gun control debate? That gets completely lost. On the gun control debate, you have millions of firearm owners going, okay, you focused on the the, the school shooting in Parkland, and an unquestionably horrific tragedy of almost unspeakable. I can't even imagine what, it, what the scene looked like afterwards. But you can entirely neglect the millions, the tens of millions of gun owners out there who have firearms because it gives them a sense of self-protection, because they hunt, because they're sportsmen. Maybe they just enjoy shooting at the range. There are positive aspects to that, too. How does the drug argument work, but does the same principles don't apply to the firearm argument? In other words, what I'm saying is the reason the drug argument works for you in contrast to burglary laws is because you believe it is not universally bad. Well, I'm asking you to open your eyes and say, well, maybe that applies to firearm laws, too, and restricting firearms and bans and confiscation. Firearms are not universally bad. They are tools for good for a lot of people. Open your eyes. It matters. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please go to the website, Bongino.com. Check out the show notes today. I've got a few other great articles in there, too, for you to read. I call the news of the day, give you the best ones I find. Uh, Appreciate it, and I will see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show.